just trying to keep everyone up to date on evidence-based practices because medicine moves fast. This is Clinical Pearls. Despite efforts to limit elective surgery during the COVID-19 pandemic, urgent and emergent procedures must still be performed across surgical disciplines. For many of these urgent gynecological procedures, like a ruptured ectopic pregnancy, hemorrhagic ovarian cysts, or ovarian torsion, laparoscopy still may offer the best surgical approach and outcome for the patient. However, some have suggested that laparoscopic procedures should be avoided in this COVID-19 time and that laparotomy procedures should be universally employed, especially when the patient is COVID-19 positive or their status is unknown. This is due to concerns about aerosolization of viral particles via the pneumoperitoneum. Is this valid? In this podcast, we're going to review the AAGL, Minimally Invasive Gynecology, data and opinion regarding surgical approaches during this COVID-19 pandemic. This information comes from the AAGL as well as SAGES, which is the Society of American Gastrointestinal and Endoscopic Surgeons. SARS-CoV-2, the virus that causes COVID-19, is obviously a respiratory pathogen. Both RNA and infectious viruses are detected primarily from human upper and lower respiratory tract specimens. The COVID-19 virions are about 0.125 micron in size and are most commonly transmitted as larger, typically greater than 20 microns, respiratory water droplets. The virus may also be aerosolized and transmitted in smaller droplets like less than 10 microns in gas suspension. Particle size has implications for suspension time and filtration requirements. SARS-CoV-2 RNA has also been detected in blood and stool specimens, but it's unknown if these are actually infectious. To date, no studies have identified SARS-CoV-2 in surgical smoke, and even if it's found, it's not known whether these viral particles are truly infectious. Additionally, while viral RNA may be detected in the blood, no transmission of COVID-19 has been documented through this route. So what have we learned from other viral epidemics and surgical masks? The truth is, the risk of viral transmission via laparoscopy is virtually zero. Although the viral DNA of blood-borne viral pathogens like hepatitis B and HIV have been detected in surgical plume after the use of surgical energy like electrosurgery, laser, and harmonic scalpel, there is actually no evidence to indicate that use of electrosurgery during laparoscopy increases the risk of disease transmission via the surgical plume or pneumoperitoneum. Further, surgery in patients with HIV and hepatitis B and hepatitis C has been ongoing for decades without documented increased risk of transmission from the surgical plume or laparoscopic pneumoperitoneum to surgeons, anesthesiologists, or operating room personnel. In fact, when possible, laparoscopic procedures significantly minimize exposure of surgeons to blood-borne pathogens and it's typically preferred over laparotomy. 
Although COVID-19 is a novel disease, evidence from similar respiratory viruses like influenza and other coronaviruses like Severe Acute Respiratory Syndrome, or SARS, and the Middle East Respiratory Syndrome, or MERS-CoV, have not shown evidence of disease transmission through surgical plume or laparoscopic gas during prior viral epidemics or the annual flu season. The bottom line is this. There's no compelling data to support the notion that respiratory or blood-borne infection viruses are transmitted through the surgical plume or aerosoled through the laparoscopic gas. Now, one must also consider the adverse impact of adopting overarching policy changes like laparotomy better than laparoscopy in this COVID-19 time. And the reason is, is that switching over to laparotomy may include prolonged hospital stays and bed utilization and increased likelihood of intensive care unit stay, greater risk of patient harm from surgical complications, and greater risks of COVID-19 exposure for both the patient and healthcare providers. So according to the AAGL, given the lack of data to support the claim that COVID-19 virus spreads via the laparoscopic smoke plume or pneumoperitoneum, one right now cannot really justify the increased utilization of resources, greater number of surgical complications, and infectious exposure risk to the patient and caregiver with the avoidance of laparoscopic approaches. Now, with a quick caveat, there are times, of course, when a laparotomy is still indicated, but that should be left to the clinical situation. All right. Now, despite this reassuring data, there are still some precautions that should be considered to minimize any potential or theoretical risk during the COVID-19 pandemic. There are several relevant safety considerations for clinical teams who participate in gin surgery during this time. Laparoscopy most commonly involves general anesthesia with the associated intubation, extubation, and mechanical ventilation, which may produce airborne viral droplets in a COVID-19 positive patient. General anesthesia is not contraindicated in a COVID-19 confirmed case, but the surgical team should minimize exposure to airborne virus during intubation and extubation, and OR personnel should don the appropriate PPE, including N95 masks, face shields, and of course, gowns and gloves. Even if it is assumed that limited viral particles may become airborne during pneumoperitoneum during laparoscopy, the operating room is one of the safest places in the hospital to avoid COVID-19 exposure, according to AAGL. This is given the air filtration and circulation in most standard ORs, the sterile field, and surgeons and anesthesiologists wearing appropriate PPE. Several techniques can also be used to minimize the potential risk of airborne viral particles at the time of surgery by any route and specifically during laparoscopy. Performing laparoscopy with lower intra-abdominal CO2 pressures and minimizing the use of energy will limit the production of surgical plume and pneumoperitoneum. Also, the use of smoke evacuation or filtration services allows for a controlled release and filtration of the surgical plume. Ideally, gas and plume evacuation and filtration should be accomplished with the use of ultra-low particulate air filters or ULPA, ULPA, related to the screen sizes of 0.1 microns in diameter. Now, in contrast, high-efficiency air filters, or HEPA, are only required to filter particles of 0.3 microns in diameter. 
Of note, N95 masks are related to filter out at least 95% of very small particles, and these are defined as 0.3 microns or less. While smoke evacuation and filtration systems can be used both at the time of laparoscopy and laparotomy, laparoscopy offers a unique advantage of being able to almost entirely contain the surgical plume in the abdomen. Also, with tightly fitting laparoscopic ports, an evacuation or filtration system can be used to minimize release of potential airborne virus into the operating room environment, while simultaneously evacuating the surgical smoke actively or passively. It's important to avoid the sudden release of pneumoperitoneum, and this is most relevant prior to tissue extraction, whether via mini laparotomy or vaginally and at the completion of the case. At these times, the abdominal cavity should be actively desufflated through a filtration system or with a simple piece of tubing attached to the suction catheter. Using this can help release the pneumoperitoneum into a contained system rather into the operating room. Use of a containment bag for tissue extraction can also help maintain the seal and may limit loss of pneumoperitoneum. Now, a quick word about laparotomies. Laparotomies sometimes are indicated, and that's okay. But just remember that in contrast to laparoscopy, smoke evacuation at the time of laparotomy is much more challenging. The smoke evacuator must ideally be within 2 centimeters of the plume, with 50% loss of capture for every 1 centimeter from the source of the plume. If COVID-19 particles can indeed be disseminated into the surgical plume, then surgeons and OR personnel may be more likely to experience direct exposure to viral particles from a laparotomy approach. So just be aware of that. All right, so as we wrap this up, the theoretical risk of airborne SARS-CoV-2 from an abdominal source at the time of surgery has not been substantiated. There is no current evidence that infection of OR personnel occurs via laparoscopy any more than laparotomy groups. However, given the paucity of data, it is prudent to take precautions in the OR given that viral particles can be aerosolized, we know, during intubation and extubation. Sometimes emergent surgeries are required, obviously, even during a pandemic. So using appropriate PPE, being aware of surgical plume, and doing just common sense thing to reduce potential airborne transmission is vital regardless of the route, whether it's laparoscopic or laparotomy. This has been a quick review and summary of the AAGL position statement on the use of laparoscopic procedures during COVID-19 pandemic. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time on Clinical Pearls.